impact. You love to see it. Instant impact. Can it really go? Instant impact. How nice is he? Never going back. What is he gonna do on the next level? Instant impact. Is he gonna be a boom or bust? Instant impact. Is he gonna make or break? Instant impact. It's going down today. Ha <laughs> ha! Welcome, welcome. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Instant impact. I'm riding with my co-host. He's shotgun from the GA. It's my boy, Brooks Austin, Sports Illustrated's own BA from the GA. Is what I like to call him here on Instant Impact. BA, what's good, baby? Man, I'm going to tell you what. It's been way too long since I've been here on Instant Impact talking some football. You know, we got baseball starting back, hence the Braves jersey. Rockamaya Acuna here uh, in Atlanta. We finally got some, you know, some inner squad going on. Hopefully... We can get some inter-squad going on with some football teams here soon. Uh, fingers crossed for that. But other than that, man, I am pumped to talk about some of these kids that committed. Finally, it seems like we got some real big-time programs, uh, you know, starting to receive some commitments lately. So, man, I can't be more juiced than I am today to be here on Instant Impact with you, Keith. I don't know how many inter-squad scrimmages there are out there in the baseball world. But I can tell you this right now. We're going to have an inter-squad scrimmage on this show today. It's going to. This will be our best show. That is my prediction. This is going to be our best show. I am going in. <laughs> Big time, guys. I'm doubling down. And, and we got an overrated joker in this group that Uh-oh. I can't wait to talk about. And I can't wait to get to it. Let's get it started off right off the jump, B.A. From the G.A., we're talking about cornerback out of Mississippi, Kadarius Callaway flips from Mississippi State, now commits to Alabama, and boy, is this a dog. Man, let me tell you something. Mississippi State, they were sneaking around a chicken coop with a sleeper. They were. They really were. And Kadarius Callaway, I have it in my notes, a straight dog. Yeah. He's the type of guy that you win with in the SEC. Yes, sir. He's coming downhill. He's coming to knock your lights out. Electricity, done. Edison, over. <laughs> it's, it's a, this dude's a problem. Okay, there he is, Callaway. What'd you see, B.A.? Man, I'm, the first thing I got on the notes is this is a whole box of twitch. Like, everything this dude does on a football field is explosive, is dynamic, it's scary, it's frightening. Look, here's the deal, Keith. I played three seasons against Kenny Moore, the highest-paid slot corner in the NFL right now at Valdosta State. This is what it looked like. A five foot 10 190-pound athlete that doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're a left tackle because I'm blitzing off the edge. I don't care if you're a 6'5 wide receiver that's 215 pounds in the SEC. I don't care if you're a tight end that looks like a Rick Gilbert. These types of football players, these dogs, as you like to call them, they'll stick you, man, and they're going to hit you right square in the mouth. That's exactly what Kadarius Callaway is to me. When I saw him on tape, I saw Kenny Moore, and that's exactly what it looked like in college. Kenny played slot corner. He played traditional corner. He played free safety. He did it all. Kadarius does the same thing out there in Mississippi. You can see why Alabama took this kid and flipped him from Mississippi State. Like you said, this was an absolute sleeper, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later with another SEC flip that we saw from another Mississippi, uh, Mississippi school to another SEC powerhouse. This is what Alabama saw. They saw a box of Twitch, an angry, pissed-off football player, and a guy that will light your butt up at any point and any portion of the football field. That's what Kadarius Callaway is to me, Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore is a great name. He's a really good football player. I got a better Kenny that I'm going to compare to. How about a Kenny Easley? Okay. 
Kenny Easley was an oversized safety that could run like a corner, hit mm-hmm. like a linebacker, and had the ball skills of a receiver. That's what I see in Kadarius Callaway. Not only can you do all those things on the football field, he's a great KOR guy. KOR yeah. guy. He can kick off return with the best of them. He's got the speed, the explosiveness, the strength to run through the tackles. He's a big-time athlete. Let's move along. We're going to take it from the SEC to the Pac-12. Wide receiver out of uh, East St. Louis High School, Keontae yep. Lewis, commits to UCLA. And listen, right now in the game of college football, really in the game of football in general, colleges, they're looking for the small forwards to get on the outside mm-hmm. and play jump ball, right? Get rebounds. Get on the outside, run vertical, and get rebounds. That's exactly what Keontae Lewis is. This is a big kid that's a vertical runner that's a go up and get a rebound in a 50-50 game, contested or not. I like this. He's got a long stride. He's yeah. not extremely twitchy. He's not overly fast. But I like him as a guy in the 50-50 game to use his size, be able to box out, go up, make plays. He's, it's a basketball player on grass, B.A. Absolutely. I mean, you hit on all the things I was going to talk about. I mean, he's probably listed at about 6'1", 6'2", 175, 180 pounds, but he plays like he's 6'4". I mean, he plays a lot bigger in terms of the 50-50 ability. I noticed the same thing you saw in the long strides, right? When he gets in the open field, he really likes to stretch it out. Not really a quick twitch, like you said, type of football player. The only thing I saw, man, he's not really the cleanest route runner, but I think that's because he hasn't been asked to run the full tree. He's been asked to just go. Right, Just run the goes, run the post, do all that stuff, go get these 50-50 balls, and go beat people deep. I think what he what he's good at, at least at the high school level, is I think he's sneaky fast on these corners. I think they, they don't think he's going to run by him, and then they say, no, they're turning and burning uh, and, and getting left behind. I, I just love the way this kid tracks the football when it's in yes. the air. I mean, he tracks the football as well as anybody in this class. And like you mentioned, and we've already mentioned, he plays a lot bigger than he is. Like I said, though, I got two questions. One is about, you know, he hasn't been asked to run the full route, route tree. We just haven't seen it. And for a guy that's playing out there in St. Louis, the, the level of competition is not that great either. So he's not really playing dudes out there, if you will. Um, saw some corners that he probably should be burning. Um, so we'll see what it translates like to when he gets out there to the Pac-12. But we know as well as I do, Pac-12 is all about playing in space. And this kid can play in space. Um, and, and he can run those deep routes. And you still need that kind of stuff. Uh, in college football, especially the Pac-12. No question. Pac-12 after dark, baby. You know, we get hot and we get loose. <laughs> Let's move along. A kid who I absolutely love here in California, my hometown. He's in the Fresno area, wide receiver. They got him a four-star, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is a five-star prospect. Xavier Worthy commits to the University of Michigan, and right off the jump, this kid is a blur. Yeah, He is a blur, not just in the open field. It is one foot in the ground, and I'm zero to 100 real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, B.A., I had a chance to coach back in 2006 against a kid he really reminds me of, an Olympic sprinter, a kid by the name of Bryshawn Nellum. Okay. He's an Olympic gold 400-meter runner. He played at Long Beach Poly, built the same way, lean, long. He had that big stride, but he also had that quick turnover. Bryshawn Nellum would have been a first-round draft pick if he decided to stick with football. He was that explosive. I mean, hence the gold medal in the 400 meters in the Olympics. But Xavier Worthy, you talk about a 10-5 kid as a 100-meter dash guy as a sophomore. So this is a a 10-2 guy. Yeah, This is a 10-2 sprinter we're talking about with legit 
4-3-3 speed and with, with good length. And his change of direction is, is, is explosive. Yeah, it's I mean, that's, that's what separates these track guys, these track speed guys from actual football players, right? With that, that start and stop ability. I mean, it's all great and fine and dandy if you can be like Marquise Goodwin and run in a straight line. But can you start and stop? Can you bend your hips? Can you get in and out of your brakes as a wide receiver? And can you run with a touch and go, right? It's one thing that Deshaun Jackson talks all about, uh, about all the time. He's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. But he talks about how... You can't just have your foot in the gas all the time. You can't just be running full speed all the time. You got to have some nuance in your game. You got to have some start, stop. You got to have some touch and go uh, throughout your route running. And this kid has that, okay? Like you mentioned, it is speed, speed, speed. You're going to see that from this kid. He's going to be day one at Michigan. He's going to be a kickoff return specialist. He, If you give this kid a lane, if you give this kid a tunnel, he's going to be able to go. I think the reason he's a four-star at all those other recruiting services, it's the frame, man. He's six foot one, and he's about 165 pounds soaking wet. So that's a genuine concern for some of these guys in these other industries. I, but when you watch him on tape, He's got play strength, man. He runs through arm tackles. He runs through, you know, weak, uh, weak would-be tacklers. He runs with good play strength. He runs with good contact balance. The thing I noticed, the other thing, though, he's a smooth plucker of the football, man. You get a oh, ball yeah. outside of his frame, and mm-hmm. he just, boom. I mean, he just quick plucking, quick hands uh, from this kid as well. So, I mean, Xavier Worthy, he was a take for a lot of big-time programs. He goes up there to Michigan. It's going to be interesting to see how the speed plays in the winter, right? Right in that Big Ten football. We'll see how it looks. Um, but on tape, man, holy smokes, this kid can go. Uh, and like I said, he, he was a take at Georgia. I can tell you that right now. Uh, the Georgia staff loved him a lot. It was just never getting any yeah. interest back. From how, listen, how could you not? Um, yeah. in, in regards to him being a four-star and, and based on his frame, you know, stars are are, are, are under the umbrella of projection. Yeah. So if you had to project this kid at 6'1", 160, you're looking at about 185, 195. You're looking at Jerry Judy with explosive speed. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Judy went 4'5 at the combine. Right. We're, talk, we're talking this about a kid, kid if you line him up. Backpedaling. Yeah, it, it, you, you line him up right now. and Hadn't ran a 40 in months, I guarantee it, and he'll, he'll run 4-4-2. I mean, and, and you train him up for a combine when he gets out of college, he's probably going sub 4-4 into that 4-3-8, 4-3-3 range like you talked about. Yeah, no question about it. He's a five-star for me. Mark it down. It's a receipt. Come back and talk to me in three okay. to four years. Let's you love that receipts, baby. I love them receipts. Let's move along. Quarterback Drayden Norwood out of Arkansas commits to Texas A&M. Like this kid. He's, he's a playmaker. You know, period point yeah. blank playmaker, right? Quarterback, defensive back. I love his short-range quickness. I think that's a, a, a an ability, a skill that a lot of coaches, evaluators, don't take into account when you talk about the cornerback position. They think it's all about top-end speed. It really isn't. It's about breaking on those routes underneath and off coverage, challenging from seven yards so you don't get ran by, right? The technique yeah. is going to keep you from being ran by, right? The quickness and the immediacy of your plant point and drive for you to break downhill and cover all routes from off coverage, that's what's going to make you a really good corner. Drake Norwood, um, I just like him, man. Quarterback, cornerback, he's just a playmaker, B.A., what you got? I mean, you you call it a playmaker. I call it a football player. And, look, there's still room in the evaluation process for just looking at a kid on tape and watching him do a thousand things. And just the only thing you can say is 
he's a good football player. Right. Damn, he's a borderline great football player. And you can't say that about a lot of kids. You no can question. say, you know, he runs well, he catches well, or does one or the other. This kid does everything really, really well. That may not do one thing great except for driving. That quickness is elite. I mean, if you, if you were to put him on nowadays, at least on the tape, if you if you put him in a 5 10 I bet he's, you know, somewhere around that 4 one range. I mean, he's he's legit quick. Um, I just the, the problem I have, and it, it's probably what everybody else has had, is there's not a ton of tape of him playing what he's going to play in college. Now, you can look at that one or two ways. I choose to look at it this way. Yes, it's really, really tough to evaluate him at what he's going to look like as a corner. That's that's true. That's 100 percent true. But B, hey, man. What the hell is he going to look like when he actually does play corner? What's he going to look like when you actually do coach him up? Okay, this is a kid. We see this all the time with elite-level athletes like Drayden Norwood. They play so many different things. They're learning so many different things. They're training so many different things during the week. They're only going to multiply in terms of their skill set at the one position when they're left there in college. And that's what's going to happen at Texas A&M. Now, he doesn't really fit their mold. In terms of what they like at corner, if you look no. through their roster, no. their roster. But we talked about this with their last commitment. So maybe they're changing up a little bit um, in terms of what they're looking for. Typically, if you go through that roster, it's six three and above playing corner. That's it. Drayden's not that. But what he is is like you talked about. Extreme. He's obviously extremely coachable. If he can do all these types of things for his high school football team, and he's extremely quick. Those two things are going to make you a good football player because he's got the measurables, at least in terms of a cornerback prospect, right? 6'1", 180 pounds. I guarantee he's 205 before he steps foot onto a college football field in terms of legitimate playing time. So I'm more interested to see what this looks like year two, year three, when he's finally refining those skills at the cornerback position. Here, I got a suggestion for you. Pay me a quarter of a million dollars. And let me coach him up. I bet you I have him all SEC first team by the time year two, year three. I can guarantee I got, you that. Hey, I, I guarantee you pay me a quarter million dollars. I'll figure out how to coach a damn cornerback. I'll I tell mean, you that right goodness. now. <laughs> Listen, a great athlete that can make plays and has got yeah. unbelievable quickness. Uh, love this kid. Like you said, Deuce Harmon. He was one of their commits earlier. Uh, Savion Bird ago. in the comments. What's up, Savion? Smaller. What up, Say? That's my boy right there. Say no. He's, That's my boy, too. Hey, he's Uno Nuno with me. Let's move along. Uh, we're going with a defensive lineman out of California. Check, check. We're going to a DB out yeah. of Florida. A safety, a true one-high safety. Yes, sir. Shout out to Ed Reed. Mm. He, this kid, Cameron Kitchens, has to be inspired by the GOAT of the safety position, at least for the one-high safety. I mean, no disrespect to Ronnie Lott. I mean, come on. My, let me tip my cap. Tip my proverbial cap, Ronnie Lott. But Ed Reed is this generation's GOAT as I mean, a one-high safety. And Cam Kitchens, there's a lot of similarities. His mm-hmm. ability to read the quarterback, right, fade to, to eye movement, burst over the top, and finish at the football. Like, And I love his ability to return the ball. He's not yeah. just trying to pick it off. He's trying to dance. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get to the crib and eat. B.A., talk to me. I mean, first off, let's just talk a little bit about what Miami is doing down there. They've got 17 commits so far in the 2021 class. 16 of them are from Florida, are from the state of Florida. Nine of them are from Miami-Dade County. 
So when you talk about Ed Reed, when you talk about Manny Diaz, when you talk about these guys that are talking to these high school recruits in Miami, it's never not been a hotbed for athletics. It's never not been a hotbed for high school football players. It's just been a matter of whether or not they're going to keep those guys intact. And, and, And when you want to talk about Ed Reed inspiring kids to come play at Miami, I'm telling you what right now. The Georgia football staff is sweating bullets that not only is Cam Kitchens going to be one of the safeties they keep in Miami, but James Williams is going to be one of the safeties they keep in Miami because of Ed Reed. So that guy is definitely, as the chief of staff down there Miami, or for Manny Diaz, definitely pulling weight and definitely pulling kids in. As far as Cam Kitchens goes, five foot 11, 200 pounds. You want to start with a similarity to Ed Reed? That's it, baby. That's what Ed Reed looked like as a safety, okay? No He's not this long, rangy safety. He wasn't. He was this tightly compact thumper of a safety that could play single high and play deep safety. And that's like you, what I love about Cam Kitchens. And you know what I saw as well? When you watch him flip his hips, he's got a really high knee drive. That first that first knee drive over when burst, he flips man. his hips, burst. it's a burst, and that knee mm-hmm. gets up and out. And that tells me he's got really loose and fluid hips. If those of you trying to get into the evaluating business, that's what you got to see, what that knee drive looks like when they're flipping their hips as a DB. He does it really smoothly. And there's not really any tightness there. So I liked him in the return game as well. I hope they keep him as a deep safety because he's got great ball skills. If it's around him, he's coming down with it. Listen, I cannot state enough how important it is as a defensive back and especially as a deep safety to arrive at the football and finish the play. Don't drop that back. Teams lose games. They lose division championships, conference championships, you know, national playoffs, they lose on the shoulders or on the stone hands of yep. guys dropping interceptions. It's a it's a game of inches. We talk about that all the time. And it's not just converting fourth downs. It's not just scoring in the red zone when you got to and not turning the ball over. It's about turning the other team over. Turn Look, over, man. Stop, stopping offenses nowadays in college football is one of the hardest things to do. It's why right. you see LSU win a national championship scoring 48 points a game and setting all kinds of records. It's only getting easier with the way they have allowed offensive linemen to move up the field in this RPO game. Guys are scoring points. So if they're going to score points, if you know they're going to score points, a stop nowadays is turning the ball over, getting them to force a turnover. And guys like Cam Kitchens do that more times than not on that defense side. Turn of the ball. It's over, invaluable. Man. Turn them over. Let's move along. We're taking it back to the West Coast, back to the Pac-12. Defensive lineman out of Fresno. A kid I heard about in fifth grade. In fifth grade, this guy was like 6'1 and 210 pounds, running through everybody's Pop Warner team. Keanu Williams, out of Fresno, shout out to the Central Valley, um, commits to Oregon, 6'5", 285, elite size. Yes. Elite. Okay, you're talking about NFL size right now. B.A., I'm going to let you rip this one off from the jump, and I'll add on the close. Go with it. This is a D tackle all day. I don't know who thinks this kid can play defensive end, but he can't. And that's not a shout out at that's not a shot shot, excuse me, at him. But look, the other thing I got is everybody knows one of these kids. I call them goofy strong kids. They just look goofy. They don't look like major athletes, but they're one of the best athletes on the field somehow, some way. And they don't do it looking pretty. They don't do it looking smooth. They don't do it looking twitched up. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. If you play football long enough, 
you've played with one of these guys that's either goofy strong or goofy athletic. You put them on a basketball court, they look like they can barely dribble, but next thing you turn around, they're giving you 30 and dropping buckets on your head. This is one of these kids in terms of athleticism. Um, I, I just love the pad level that he plays with. Guy plays really, really low. He's got this hunchback, which I think is where all this strength comes from because he's strong as an ox. Um, and likes to swim move a lot. You can tell this kid's really developed his hand fighting game, which when you get to that next level, it's not just about stopping double teams. It's not just about holding the point. It's not just about playing strong in those three techniques. It's about being able to shed blockers, and this kid does it really well. And he plays with a high motor too. So for, for what you're talking about, for this kid to have been such a high-profile recruit, even when he's back in fifth grade, to him now turn in and obviously develop his body even more. You see him getting a little bit bigger, up to 6'5", 285 pounds. It just goes to show you that this isn't a kid that shut off his work ethic as things have come to him because I'm sure he was getting offers you know, in 7th and 8th grade. So it's good to see that from him, and it's good as a coach moving forward there at Oregon with Coach Cristobal to know that he's got that in him, that he's still got that work ethic and that drive. Yeah, no, it seems to be a humble kid. I don't know him personally, but it seems to be based on just kind of my social media interactions. A couple things that stand out for me, and I think that will always stand out to me, because listen, this game essentially is always going to be about blocking and tackling. Yeah. So if the game theoretically, conceptually is about blocking and tackling, you need defensive linemen who can play the game low. This kid plays with unbelievable leverage for a guy that's 6'5". That's number one. Number two is he's got explosive hands. He's heavy-handed. When he puts his hands on you, he shocks you, and he rocks you. And I love that about Keanu Williams. couple things. I love his lateral movement. For a big guy, his lateral movement is exceptional. Something that I always used to work with my defensive lineman on. Shout-out to Dayton Jones, my 2013 first-round pick to the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. But his lateral movement is exceptional for a big guy. And then, man, he's got some closing speed to accelerate, close, and finish on a quarterback or to the football. Keanu Williams, big-time prospect, big-time get for the Oregon Ducks. I, he's not a defensive end, no. Oregon, they like to play a 3-4. He's going to be a 5-tech. He's going to play that 4-I, right? He's going mean- to stack and share with those explosive hands. He gains 20 pounds. He might be playing the zero because, again, I think the kid's kid's really, really strong, Keith. I think he's really, really strong. He's got really good hips. And he already plays in a nose tackle stance. If you watch him, he's not super heavy on his hand. No, he's super light. He's super light on his hand. He plays like a nose tackle. He just doesn't know it yet. But, he's again, he's strong as an ox. So, if you stick him in there, he'll hold double teams. I guarantee it. So, I'm good with it. I mean, whatever they want to play him at, I'm just telling you, when it comes to the Pac-12 – I don't think there, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's a strength and conditioning program better than what Oregon's got out there with Coach Feld. So, I mean, 20 pounds, 25 pounds is going to come on like nothing for this kid. So, if he gets up to 305, he's going to play the nose technique, and that's okay. We'll see. That's okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's move along. Linebacker Greg Penn out of Maryland, DeMatha High School, the, the national power DeMatha. Yeah, they did come out here to California and get spanked upside the behind playing against uh, Don Bosco, St. John Bosco. They did get spanked. But Greg Penn is a linebacker, commits to LSU. Mm -hmm. I like this kid. Um, And and simply put, I'm going to let you take this one, B.A. This is a running back, a poor man's running back playing linebacker, which is awesome. That's all really linebackers are. 
we are former running backs who understand where to fit in the run game, right? What angle to take to the edge and ability to flip our hips and jump passing lanes. Mm-hmm. This is a former running back playing linebacker. It's a good get for Bo Bellini. Good get for uh, Coach Ezeron over there in Baton Rouge. So, hey, B.A., take it, take it away, man. Go with it. I mean, 6'3", 220 pounds. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't take long to know who he's playing against, right? When you look on the tape, you see a guy in purple wearing number 18 that you talked about last week. And I don't know your thoughts on Caleb Williams, but I can tell you what, Caleb Williams can run, all right? And if you can run down Caleb Williams like this kid did on tape, you got some juice, okay? You got some flat-out go in your cleats, and that's what this kid's got. Talk about him being a former running back. You can see that in his game. Look, he doesn't really attack blockers. He doesn't shed blockers. He avoids blockers, but he does so really, really quickly, which, you know what? Nowadays, that's the game, right? If you really look at linebackers nowadays, ain't too many guys taking on guards in the B gaps, okay? A lot of teams run odd fronts. A lot of teams doing two-gap techniques with their defensive linemen, freeing up their linebackers to run sideline to sideline. That's what this kid is. I'm going to need to see him be able to show some play strength and attack blockers, though, because on the next level, guards are going to get up to you. Tackles are going to get up to you. They're going to put their hands on you, and if you can't shock them, that's going to show very, very early on. Uh, but this is a, he plays grown man football in Maryland. I mean, you talked about it up there at DeMatha. It's a powerhouse. You flip on the tape, it looks like college football, okay? They're playing some big boys. So the adjustment period is not going to be a ton for this guy. I just wonder how much weight they're going to put on him, right? He's already a big kid. He's already 6'3", 220 pounds. If he pushes up into that 240 range, you're going to see him playing that Clavon Chase on roll out there. He's not going to be playing in the box a la Devin White. So we'll just see what it ends up looking like. What are your thoughts there on just his positional versatility and where you think he ends up, Keith? You know, I know he's listed 6'3". I don't see 6'3 on tape. I see a kid that's about 6'1". And I've seen him be listed 6'1 um, as of recent. So I know there's some confusion there. At the end hey. of the day, this is – at the end of the day, this is a guy who's a ball tracker – from five in five yards and his heels yeah. at five this is a downhill ball tracker with the ability to change directions by sticking his foot in the ground and attacking the football. Okay. That's what you're going to get out of this guy. I don't see him being an edge guy. This is going to be a middle linebacker. Uh, if he's 220, he's going to be 235, 240. They just had a guy, two guys in a row yeah. go big time in the draft. One was um, queen, queen and then Devin white the year yep. before. Right. So, who Devin White, Devin White, prime example, former running back in high school, played a little bit linebacker. You get him up there. They clean him up. Look, LSU's got some really good defense. They got a really good defensive staff. They can clean these guys up really quickly. So, I mean, maybe I got some misinformation on the height. If he is 6'1", yeah, he's playing Mike the rest of his career, and he's going to be good at it. He's going to be a Mike at 60 years old. You can can call it what it is right now. Let's move along. Defensive end out of Virginia, George Wilson. Commits to South Carolina. Listen, this guy, a little bit of a project. Yes. Developmental piece, Mm -hmm. but I like his upside. He's got the height. He's got the length. He's got a burst. He's got a bend on the corner. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a project, but I like his upside. One thing that intrigues me about him, and I think there's a lack of this maybe down south. And I don't know why it is, but George Wilson has an astute awareness when he gets around the football. 
He's yeah. not trying to tackle people. Disengage the football. Get the ball out. Yeah. And as a former coach, Brooks, this was my number one priority. When we started defensive practice, we started with a turnover drill. Mm-hmm. When we broke the huddle, we didn't say hit or defense. We said turnovers. It was yeah. all about getting the ball. The game of football is about the ball. Get the ball. George Wilson gets the ball. And I love yeah. that about him. I love that awareness about him. Go ahead, B.A. I mean, you hit it. I mean, one of the very first plays on his highlight tape is quarterbacks. He, he realizes he's not quite getting there for the sack. So what's he do? He disengages the quarterback from the football, causes a strip sack fumble. I mean, that's what defensive ends, I think they're starting to realize it. Look, if you knock the ball out, the statistician gives you what's called a strip sack. So you get the sack and you get the forced fumble. Okay, wow. it's two for one, bang for your buck. All right, bang so, nah, man, this kid, like you said, he, he looks like a wide receiver playing defensive end. And I tell you what. Yeah. He probably would be playing wide receiver if he had any hands. I guarantee you, kid can't catch football worth a lick. That's why he's playing defense. Okay. But he does have some burst. That's what you're talking about. That's why I compared him to a wide receiver. He can go. I'm going to tell you right now, I would not want to block this kid for four quarters. Okay. As a, as a tackle, when you're already overwhelmed in the run game, that's great. But if my team's down and I see George Wilson rushing at me for the whole second half, when he's the far superior athlete, he's much faster than me, and he's got a lot more twitch, and he can bend. If I've got to take 35 snaps of pass reps against this kid, I guarantee he's going to win a bunch of them uh, and put some pressures on the quarterback because he's just that quick, and he plays that hard. I love the pursuit from the kid. To me, he reminds me of what Leonard Floyd looked like in high school. Leonard Floyd, the kid from here uh, in the Georgia area, you know, in high school was these these exact measurables. Was six with five was 210 pounds, spent a year at JUCO before he went to Georgia. Next thing you know, he's 240 pounds and he's a first-round draft pick, okay? That's what happens to these kids when they get three squares a day, when they get into a strength and conditioning program that can actually feed them and give them the right caloric intake that they need because I guarantee you this kid metabolism is something that I've never had and off the charts. I guarantee he's burning up fat like nobody's business. So if he can put on some weight, um, he's going to be scary. But like you said – that's what makes him a project. It has nothing to do with what we see on tape. It has everything to do with how much he's going to put on in terms of weight. See what I did there? Projectivity over productivity. Yep. Coming out of high school, let's move along. We got a linebacker out of Virginia. Going back to Virginia, Virginia's showing up today. Izzy Etute. And all I got to mm. say is my Nigerian brothers – Hey, showing up and showing out, B.A. I've been trying to tell people, man, these Nigerian kids in the skill position, on skills, and I'm talking about the athletic positions, is he a Tute? I like his, I like his size as a, as, a, as, a, as a backer. Now, he's 6'3", 205. Yeah. Looks like he's probably around 6'3", 205, 6'2", maybe on tape. But he's got length. He's got great range. Um, I love his ball skills. Mm-hmm. In the passing game, whether it's drop zone or playing man-to-man, he's a guy that can find the football. He's really athletic. These Nigerian kids, man, they're athletic, they're long, mm-hmm. um, and he's semi-aggressive. He's not overly aggressive. He's not a, a, a pit bull like I'd like to see out of my linebackers, but I think that could be developed in him. He's he, Right? Uh, shout out to my Nigerian brothers, man. Go on and get you some. Izzy Etute. B.A. from the G.A. Talk to me about this boy from Virginia, going to Virginia Tech. Hey, man. 
I'm going to compare him to another Nigerian brother. How about Aziz Ojolari, okay? Ooh, Plays ooh. defensive end yes, down sir. here at Georgia. Yes, okay? sir. Same kind of thing in high school. Was 6'3", border 6'2 and a half, 6'3". Mm-hmm. Was pushing up on 210 pounds, 205 pounds. Didn't really know what he was going to play at Marietta. Played a little bit in space early in his career. Then they made him play some defensive end later on in his career. Next thing you know, he goes to Georgia as an outside linebacker. And now he leads the team in sacks. Plays yeah. in space a little bit. Plays with his hand in the dirt. Does it all. I see the same thing from Etute, okay? Again, 6'3", 205. Really thin, though. He's a really, really thin 205. If you look at him in his yeah. arms, doesn't really have a ton of arm definition, doesn't have a real a whole bunch of muscle mass, which just goes to tell me that whatever he's got, he's probably figured out by himself in terms of that work ethic that he's got um, in that weight room at his high school. But like you said, man, it's a former tight end. The ball skills, poof. The ball skills are insane. This kid could pick off anything that's thrown is in his direction. The reason I want to see him maybe gain some weight when he goes to Virginia Tech, maybe put his hand in the dirt, um, is there's not a ton of twitch, not enough to play in space like he's doing now. Okay, he's a fluid athlete. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a bursty athlete. Not, not enough to guy, right? Yeah, not not really explosive. And even when he gets to the ball, I mean, it's not a lot of pop in the pads. There's not a lot right. of boom. There's not a lot of explosion. Right. Um, so that's why I kind of want to see him maybe get a little bigger. If we if we get him up to two twenty five, two thirty, that's what uh, Ojolari played at two thirty last year, and he's bumped up to two hundred forty pounds after two and a half, three full years uh, in a college weight program. That's what all these kids do. They're going to gain 20 pounds. If you can push this up, get on some weight gainer, drink some heavy, you know, thick whole milk, chocolate milk for two years. <laughs> Next thing you know, this kid's 240 pounds and yeah. he looks like a freak out on the edge. That's yeah. what the tooth looks like. And how about that? Full circle with the Nigerian blood brothers right there with those. Hey, man, Nigerian boys, they coming, man. You guys better recognize. Hey, and they swell, they swell up like a tick, too. Oh, I mean, it ain't it ain't just quick. disease. I saw B.J. Ojolari signed at Tennessee. I saw him on his si- – or LSU, excuse me. LSU. I saw him at his signing day, all right? Saw him about a month ago. The dude's gained 20 pounds in four months. It's Freaky. I'm talking about freaky how big these Nigerian blood, man. That's no joke right there. Telling you. Listen, that is no joke right there. I'm telling you. Fly that green and white, baby. Fly that green and white. Ain't no doubt. Let's move along, man. There's a defensive end out of Texas that I know you like. And I got a beautiful comparison. But I'm going to let you start this one off because I know, and we talked earlier, how much you like this kid. We're talking Jonathan Jones commits to Missouri. Yeah. Mizzou gets a dude. A dude. All right. Talk about Look, it, B.A. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, six, 230, 240 pounds. This is a monster that's only just scratching. I'm talking about just barely scratching the surface of what his ceiling's ultimately going to be. It's going to – I mean, my, my second note on the sheet was, what the hell is this kid doing to go into Missouri? <laughs> a, kid, a kid playing in Texas – Big-time Texas football that puts what this dude's put on tape with this kind of frame, with this kind of power, going to Missouri makes no damn sense. And I'm going to tell you right now, Texas knows they effed up too because Texas got in late with an offer just about a month before he committed to Missouri. So if he ends up flipping, don't be surprised because the big schools have finally started to come around and realize, oops, 
We made an uh-oh. And I'm telling you, Jonathan Jones is an uh-oh that these guys have messed up. The strength and the power that this guy's got at the point is just absurd. The whole first two and a half minutes of the tape is him just flat-backing and bending dudes over into a scorpion position at the tackle position. So, I mean, just he plays an odd front defensive end, but I think he's got enough length and explosion to play a traditional defensive end at his size. He's going to be 6'5". He's going to be 265, 270 pounds, and he is a dynamo athlete. I'm talking about a freakish athlete just in terms of the body patterns and the body movements. When you see guys this big, they typically don't run this fluid. They typically don't look this comfortable in their stance. This dude does. Again, what the hell is this dude doing going to Missouri? And that is no disrespect to Missouri. But if you go look at how Missouri's recruiting in that 2021 class, they don't have no dudes that look like this. No, they're in like the 60s, okay, in terms of recruiting. And I know they just got a brand new head coach. I understand that. But this dude is a powerhouse program type of athlete. This is what it looks like. This is what it should look like. And for all the other recruiting services that are so measurables-based, this kid's got all the measurables. What were you doing? I mean, and he's got the tape. I just it, it blows my mind, man. When three I see stars, it's like stars, yeah, whatever, whatever three star, like three in, in in the thousands in terms of their rankings. I I don't get it, man. What the hell is this you, dude doing going to Missouri? <laughs> End of story. I'm 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 gonna leave it at this. <laughs> you, you you said a lot, and I agree with everything you said. That initial step <laughs> off the ball is so dynamic mm-hmm. and explosive. The, the the power he is generating mm-hmm. from the balls of his feet, through his ankles, through his ACL, to his hip flexors, that come all the way up to his triceps. Mm-hmm. Now he is knocking people into next week coming off that ball. Let me tell you this. I, there are multiple Power 5 coaches who watch this show. I've had conversations with them. I guarantee you, in the next <laughs> 10 days, somebody's going to be coming after this. <laughs> I can guarantee it. You can take it to the back. I've got a great comparison, B.A. Come on. There used to be a number 15. That was a strong side defensive end. Bro, are you, are you about out. to go Hold on, Hold on, B.A. Hold Bro, on, I, I thought the same thing, baby. Coming out of Texas as the number one defensive end. I think he was the number one player in the country. He might have been the number he one. Was. He, he was, I know he's the number one defensive end. But he wore number 15, played at Texas A&M, was the number one overall pick. Miles Garrett and Jonathan Jones look eerily similar in a uniform and in size and, and in pack. dynamic movement. Now, the only difference is Miles Garrett had a full onslaught of pass rushing skill yeah, set. This kid doesn't have when that. He, got, he doesn't have that. But I guarantee, okay. no, it, I guarantee you, you stick him with a guy like Marcus Howard down here in Georgia that just tra- – that's all they train. When you go watch these guys, these defensive line specialists, when you watch them train, all they do is hand fights. All they do is, you know, long arms. All they do is figuring out how to finesse move and, and, and ghost and do all these types of things. If you stick this kid with a guy that knows what he's doing – in terms of developing a pass rushing skill set, you've got a first round draft pick just in terms of the body, the explosion, the 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 ankle mobility that you're talking about is 
ridiculous. The, the the angles that this kid plays with shouldn't happen at six foot five, two hundred forty pounds. Quintessential prototype strong side defensive end coming out of high school to be an elite college football player and a high draft pick. Jonathan so, Jones, I'm a fan. I'm so glad you said Miles Garrett because I thought I was I thought I was stupid when I thought about it on film. No, I was like, oh man, stupid. it's too much, too much. If, you, if no, you're watching the I'm show, here. you get a chance to listen to the show. Go look at Miles Garrett coming out of high school, and then go look at Jonathan Jones, and then yep. talk to me. Let's move along. Javion Gibson, cornerback. Oh, check, check. Outside linebacker. I said cornerback. Outside linebacker, which I think there's a position move in order here. Commits to Washington Man, State. We are on it. Listen, Nick Rolovich and company doing a heck of a job here. They had zero commits in May. They just got three in the last week and a half. And yeah. I think this Javion Gibson is a difference maker. This kid's a problem. This is what you call a neutralizer. You remember that old movie? It was called the. I think it was called the. What's it called? The Neutralizer. I don't know what it was called. If it's but, an old movie, baby, I'm a little younger than you, so. Yeah. Well, essentially, the concept is they got this weapon that no matter what weapons you have, they have a they have a weapon that can neutralize you. Javion Gibson is my neutralizer. He is a weapon that can neutralize the spread offense. Why? I'm gonna tell you why. His speed and quickness is elite. His speed and I'll say it again. His speed and quickness is elite. His contact power is elite. His explosiveness is elite. When he gets to the ball, it's a train wreck. He will knock you silly. He plays outside backer, but this is a middle linebacker at the yep. next level. Move his cat inside, let him run sideline to sideline, and let him just knock the shit out of people. <laughs> For three downs and get off the field. Instantly, this will be an impact player on special teams. Instantly. And once he learns the defense and understands the concepts, he's going to move along and be a dude in the middle of the defense. What you got? I mean, I, I, I saw the same thing. Check your phone for me, by the way. Yep. I saw the same exact thing. He's too short to, you know, rush the passer. His hips are a little too tight and, or, you know, not fluid enough to be left alone in space like he is on the high school level at this point. But that is not to say anything bad about this kid because he is an inside linebacker and he's going to do it incredibly well. When you watch this kid on tape, where we talked about a second ago with no explosion, no pop in the pass, this dude is all popping the pads. Okay, there is no, there is no run after the contact with Jamie no, Gibson. No. When he touches you, you go backwards and you gasp for air. Okay, he's taking everything out your soul when he hits you. And all of his best tape, and this is what confuses me, and I don't mean to take a shot at his high school coach, what confuses me a little bit about his tape, everything that's great on his tape is him coming downhill. It's him striking. It's him, you know, attacking blockers, attacking lead blockers, doing all that stuff, doing stuff that says, I'm an inside linebacker, yet they asked him to play in space. Now, they're not going to do that at Washington State, A, because they play an, an even front defense, so they're going to have two linebackers in the box, and they're going to be playing nickel, just like every other college football team does. So he's going to be playing inside linebacker, and he's going to be doing what he does best, which is shutting down the run. That's, I mean, and then running to the ball. Okay, if you try to run any type of bubbles on this kid, he's going to get into the ball first. If you try to run any type of slants into the middle of the box, you ain't going to be doing it the rest of the football game because your wide receiver is going to come over there and say, Coach, 
take that out the playbook. I'm not going and, and seeing that guy no more because he hits too damn hard, okay? That's what Javion Gibson is. He is a thumper. He is an explosive tackler. He is not an outside linebacker. He is 1,000% an inside linebacker when he gets to Washington State, and he's going to play and play a lot very, very early. This is the type of kid that we started this show for, okay? This instant impact. It's yeah. Javion Gibson and guys like Jonathan. If Jonathan Jones ends up at Missouri, you can write him down for a three-year starter in a top, you know, 60 draft pick, okay, if he ends up there. If he goes somewhere else, probably going to take a year and sit. But if he goes to Missouri, if, if this kid ends up at Washington State, they're going to play and play early. So I'm down with everything Gibson puts on tape except for the fact that he's playing in space because that's probably not what he needs to be doing. Man, listen. Why is that important? I'm going to give you to you from a, a former defensive coordinator's perspective. Why are guys like JVI Gibson considered neutralizers? In the game of football, the defense's job is to take away what you want to do best. Yeah. Right? Force you to do what you don't want to do, which is throw the ball underneath, check the ball down, right? Make the quarterback scramble. When you got guys like Javion Dixon, Gibson that can run like he can run and can hit the way he can hit and is as fearless as he is when you check that ball down for a one yard route and this linebacker is coming screaming from 10 yards away and you made the first guy miss but he's playing inside out to the ball he's trying to knock the Atlanta Braves right off your chest (laughs) Gibson I'm in love yeah, I am too, man. I love the technique. Let's get My on to our next goodness, one, though. Because I, I think you, you've, been, you've been teasing your fire take today. Okay, so before – and I already know it. I already know what it's going to be. I mean, I know you. I know you a little bit good. We've been, we've been doing this for about a month and a half now. So I'm going to set this guy up, okay? Set it up, baby. I'm going to tell you what I think about him. I'm going to tell you it. what I know about him. And we're going to talk about Tony Grimes right now, cornerback committed to UNC. Okay, early enrollee, he's going to join their 2020 class. Okay, already graduated high school, going to go ahead and get it out of the way, going to forego whatever nonsense we got going on with Virginia high school football and the rest of high school football. Okay, let me just walk you through the notes and all the the chitter chatter we want to hear from all of us scouts. Okay, freaky long. Freaky athletic, okay? This is the type of guy that looks like he can tie his shoes without bending over. He's got those kind of arms. He's got really, really, really long arms. And he's got, to me, um, and I don't know what it's going to sound like from Keith. To me, he's got flawless technique on the outside. He's really patient. I mean, he's physical, too. When he gets them long arms on you, you ain't moving. But more than that, okay, I know a little bit something about this kid because I covered him because we thought he might end up at Georgia. We covered him really, really well. To me, it has no- Tony Grimes, I'm sold on him because it has nothing to do with what I see on tape. But what I see on tape is great. It has everything to do with what I know about the kid. The kid works his ass off, Keith. He is always in the gym. For a number one five-star recruit, number one cornerback in the country, he is constantly working. And the other thing I know about him is he up there at Princess Anne High School. Okay, I don't know if you know anything about Virginia Beach High School football. Princess Anne Ain't no powerhouse. His freshman year, they were five and six. His sophomore year, they were two and eight. A straight-up losing program. His final season was his junior year, obviously because he's early enrolled. He won't be there. He led them to an eight and five football season, doing absolutely everything. Played wide receiver, kickoff return, punt return, obviously playing corner. How many guys in 2020, okay, that are five-star corners, number one cornerback in the country, any other kid, he's at IMG. 
when he realizes how bad his high school football team is and he realizes how good he is. Any other kid, just based off the history, what we know about these kids nowadays, any other kid is transferring to some big Virginia powerhouse that's winning 13 games a year and fighting for the state championship. Not this kid. This kid took it upon himself to try to revamp that program. And from everything we see, just in terms of the wins and loss records, he did exactly that. You can't find a bad thing to say about him personally. Now, you can criticize his game, and I'm sure you might here in just a second. But knowing the kid and covering him, they don't make them like this kid very often, okay? Especially not five-star number one cornerbacks in the country. People and kids that have people been pumping smoke up their butt and pumping sunshine up their butt since they were 12 years old. This kid's cut a little bit different. And I think that's what Trey, uh, you know, the UNC staff kind of talked to him about and got him in there. So, Keith, I hope I didn't ruin it for you. Let's hear what you got to say about Tony Grimes. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a good segue to my evaluation of Tony Grimes. And from all accounts, he's a great kid. Yeah. I've, I've watched the videos. I've read some, some interviews. Sounds like a great kid. You vouch for him as a great kid. That's number one. And that's fantastic. Hard worker. I've seen the videos of him in the gym. He's built like an Adonis. That's a great thing. Hard worker, great kid. Right? So you two for two. Um, I think that him on the football field, he's got an unbelievable frame. Like you yeah. said, he, he can walk and scratch his knees at the same time without bending over. He's probably a high 4-4 guy. He can run. Not blazing, but he can run. Um, but he don't want to hit nobody. B.A., I'm sorry. He don't want to hit nobody. Number one corner in the country, like an Adonis, great kid, terrific person, hard worker. But he don't want to hit nobody. Don't want to hit nobody. I'm sorry. Don't blame me. Blame it on what he put on tape. Hey, you know who else didn't want to hit nobody and was a five-star corner, number one quarterback in the country coming out of college or high school? Tyson Campbell. And guess what Tyson Campbell's doing right now? Tyson Campbell's fighting for his damn life to get playing time at Georgia. So I'm here for you. Look, if if you don't show it on tape, especially in high school, when you're one of the bigger kids on field, he's one of the biggest kids on the field. So if you see that, which, you know, when I'm watching a corner, I'm more just checking out whether or not he's covering Correctly. But I, I, when I go back and look at it again tonight, I, I trust you, man. You coach defense. You tell me the kid don't want to tackle, the kid don't want to tackle. And I'm telling you right now, folks think that that stuff doesn't matter as a corner. But I'm telling you, every single time they catch that kid in the short side into the boundary, guess what they're doing? They're running cross, they're running outside zone, toss sweep, straight down that dude's throat, and they're going to see if he wants to tackle. And if he don't, guess what? DJ Daniel's going to get recruited as a junior college kid, and he's going to come in there and take your spot, Tyson Campbell. Okay, the the next kid that UNC and Mac Brown recruits is going to come in and take your spot, Tony Grimes. If you don't learn and 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 it's not even about learning how to tackle because I'm sure he's been coached up. It's about finding a willingness, that edge to go in there and stick your nose in. You know what you put on tape is your resume, mm-hmm. and the resume says outstanding kid. Tremendous frame, very athletic, hard worker. 
But the resume says, I don't want to hit anybody. I would rather step to the side, put my long arms around you, and fall to the ground with you. And for a number one corner, and for, for, for him to be ranked the number one corner, that is yeah, assuming he's going to hit somebody in college. Well, yeah. assumptions can make you look like an asshole sometimes. And, yeah. and it's also tired. it's also him going to camps and locking everybody down. And you know, we talk about this all the time, you know that's how those other services work. That's not how you work. You keep it off the receipts and you keep it real. That's not really how I work. That's not how SI All-American works. Look, yeah. he, I mean, even if he was in the 2021 class, I've spoken to John Garcia about it. He wasn't going to be our number one corner, okay? It was going to be another kid, and I'm not going to ruin it because we got rankings coming out very, very soon right. Right. of SI All-American. I'm sure we saw the same thing on tape over there. But, you know, when, when you go to these camps, when you go to 24-7, when you go to Rivals and you go to uh, the Elite opening or whatever, the opening, the Nike opening, and you're shutting everybody down and you're 6-1 and you got these long arms and it's this patter cake, patter cake, one-on-one, seven-on-seven bull crap, and you never have to tackle, yeah, you probably do look like a five-star. It's the same thing that got people in trouble with Tyson Campbell. And it's the same thing that's getting people in trouble right now with Tyson Campbell because I've been checking – uh, early mock drafts and some dummies out here got Tyson Campbell going in the first round. I'm gonna tell you what: if you if you read an NFL mock draft right now and they got Tyson Campbell in that first round, you need to stop reading whoever that is because they don't know what they're talking about. Let's get on to the next guy. No question. Let's get on to the next guy. A flip to Georgia wide receiver Adone Mitchell. Is that how you say it? Adone, Adone? Adone Mitchell. Adone. Yep. Adone Mitchell. Now he's committed to your your local dogs. Mm-hmm. But let me start this one off. Another big kid on the outside, 6'3", 190. Mm-hmm. Athletic, big radius. He's got some change of direction. Yep. He's got some flexibility in his change of direction, meaning he can mm-hmm. sink his hips. He yep. can bend his knees. But he lacks the smoothness I like to see out of a big receiver. He's not polished. He needs, he needs a lot of coaching. But he's a really good athlete at the high school level that's dominating on the outside. But he has to get polished, be refined, and become much smoother on the outside. Right now, he's a big athlete in college that can go up over people with his radius and make plays. Go ahead, B.A. I mean, to me, this is just like the story about Kadarius Callaway, right? Well, we started the show with today, uh, a defensive back that was committed to Mississippi State. Alabama said, hell no, he's way too good to be playing in Mississippi State. <laughs> same exact same exact thing that happened right here with Adonai Mitchell. And look, I'm I'm close friends, not close friends, but we talk a lot. Me and Terrence Edwards, back off and get on, on the mic for me. Um, we talk a lot, Terrence and I, okay, about when, when Georgia gets a wide receiver, the first person I talk to is Terrence. What do you think about the guy? Okay, because he trains all these kids. He trains Jermaine Burton. He trains Justin Robinson. He trains Lad McConkey. Every wide receiver that ends up committing to Georgia, especially from this area, trains with Terrence Edwards. So, first thing I did, Terrence, what do you think about the guy? And all, all what you said was the same thing, but except he told me he thinks he's a pretty good route runner. He thinks there is some refinement in there. Um but yeah, all, all the I think what you're missing or not maybe missing what you're seeing in terms of the smoothness, I think he's a lot twitchier than people realize. Okay. Now we expect these six foot three guys to be long striders and smooth and just be 50-50 guys. 
this kid's got some twitch, okay? And how I know is up there at Cane Ridge, where he goes to high school in Tennessee now, he's getting bubble screens. They're throwing this kid tunnels and bubbles because they know he can run. They know he can stop, start and stop. They know he can make people miss. So if the high school coach knows one thing and sees it and is calling the game accordingly, if Terrence is telling me that he's got some and and has got some uh, refinement in his route running and the tape kind of, you know, leads me to believe the same thing, not just what he's doing on field because that route tree that they're running out there at Cambridge ain't really that, you know, in-depth. If you go find some of his footage of some of the stuff he has been doing in these camps because that's the only thing I can see about a wide receiver at these camps and one-on-ones, how good they are at beating press man, how good they are at running double moves, and how good they are at sinking their hips and getting in and out of breaks. This kid does all that really well especially for a kid that's six foot three, 190 pounds. So I think he was critically overlooked. And here's what I'm telling you. If this kid would have finished out his career out in Texas where he started it, as opposed to Tennessee, let me, let me go ahead and let y'all in on a little secret about Tennessee. None of us, none of the Keiths, Millers, none of the Brooks Austins, none of the John Garcias, none of the Rusty Manzales, none of the Chad Simmons. We don't go to Tennessee. We don't watch high school football in Tennessee. I'm just, I'm just going to be real with you, okay? Every once in a while, there's a dude that comes out of the state of Tennessee, okay? And his name's Cade Mays, and he's 6'6", and he's freaking impossible to miss as a tackle prospect. Every once in a while, that happens. But this is the case more often than not. When there's a six foot three, 190-pound receiver that was committed to Ole Miss, and Georgia says, oh, no, 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 no. I don't care if he's a three-star. I don't care he's ranked 900th on whatever rankings you want to go look at. That kid can play ball. Todd Munkin, Cortez Hankton made a serious investment in building a relationship with this kid, and it was a flip. That's it. They wanted him. They got him, just like we started the show with, with a Mississippi State commit that Alabama said, oh, hell no, he's coming to play for us and not there. Same thing with Adonai Mitchell. I think he, he is a little bit of a weight problem. Right? Not a problem. He's a weight project. You're going to have to get him up to 205, get him into that grown man body, as Terrence likes to say. That's what it's going to have to look like. Um, but I think he's a great addition to that 2021 class for them, especially when you consider what they did in 2020. When you stack up wide receivers like Georgia did in 2020, you're going to miss on the guys you want in 2021. So you best go find a guy that somebody else wants that you can turn into a really good football player. And I think they did that exactly with Adonai Mitchell. I have a comparison. Come on. I got a chance to see Justin Ross as a junior. No, that's bo- that's he, bold. Going brother. into his junior year, I think. Going into his junior year, he's uh, from Phoenix City, Alabama. Phoenix High, Phoenix City High School yeah. in Alabama. Got a chance to see Justin Ross at Future Fifty when I was working for Under Armour, and Adane Mitchell reminds me a lot of Justin Ross. Yeah. A lot. Justin at that time was a very good athlete. Mm -hmm. He was not a refined route runner. He was not smooth in route running. That's what I see on tape. Now, you guys have seen him, you know, at camps, whatever the case may be. I'm just evaluating what I saw on tape. Don A. Mitchell, though, is a big athlete with a great radius with the flexibility to make people miss. Mm Mm-hmm. And get down and get dirty in space. But if you compare him, B.A., if you compare him to what Georgia has recruited, let's go back to George Pickens, right? Look at the guys that they've recruited going back to George Pickens. Yeah. If you had to list those guys in in, in order of prospects, 
Adonai Mitchell is probably at the bottom of the list. And that's that's very, very fair, okay, because, look, I mean, holy smokes, dude, look how they recruited it in 2020. Right. I mean, even, even, in, even in 2019, yeah. Dominic Blaylock's nothing to squawk at either, no. okay? No. Dominic Blaylock's a freaking dude. Yeah. Um, but just look at what they did in 2020. You got Jermaine Burton. You got Arian Smith, who will walk in and be one of the fastest players in college football as a true freshman. Right. You got Ladd McConkey. You got Marcus Rose, Rosimi. Holy cow! Oh, you talking about me. he's a you dude. You talk about you talking about George Pickens. You talking about George Pickens Jr. That's what it looks like in Marcus Rosimi. So I mean, and Justin Robinson. People people sleep on Justin Robinson all the time, but you talking about looking like an Adonis, not an Adonai. Justin Robinson looks like a daggum Adonis. This dude's six four, two hundred and twenty pounds, and is. Fairly brand new to the game of football. People, I mean, even my Georgia fans probably don't know that. Justin Robinson was a hooper until like his freshman, sophomore year of high school. And then they were like, nah, bro, you coming to play football and you're going to be a wide receiver. You're going to be a damn good one. So the way that they recruited that class in 2020, yeah, I can understand. I would put Adane just behind Arian Smith, okay? Ooh. So take take out the 2019 class, okay? okay. I, I would rank it like this. I would go... I love Jermaine Burton's game. Anybody that's followed anything that I've ever done knows that I love Jermaine Burton's game. I think he's a total game changer if you can keep him on the field. Jermaine Burton, number one in that 2019 or that 2020 class. We're going to take George Pickens and Dom out of this uh, equation, okay? okay? Number two, I would go Marcus Rossimi. Marcus Rossimi is a freak, okay? He's going to play the X or the Z day one, or probably not day one because Kirby don't like playing freshman that early, but week four, you're going to see Marcus Rossimi instead of my, Matt Landers out there at Georgia. I'm going to promise you that. Okay. And then I would probably, and I, I probably did it too high. I would take Arian and then I would go uh, Adonai Mitchell and then Justin Robinson and then Lad McConkey. And I love Lad McConkey to death. And I hope he's watching. But Lad, you know, just like because I've talked to you and your daddy. You got some things to work on, and you're working on those things. He looks like a totally different football player in the last three months since I saw him the very first time out there at North Murray High School. But that's how I would rank him in terms. Of, I would put Adane right there in the middle. But I think the three in ter- or the two in terms of Jermaine Burton and Marcus Rossimi, they're on a whole nother level than the rest of those guys. The rest of those guys all got some things in their game to clean up. Arian's got to be a better route runner, okay? Uh, Adane's got to get a lot more physical in terms of his uh, body presence. Justin Robinson's just got to figure out football a lot more. He just ain't played it enough. Lad's got to get a lot bigger and a lot heavier and continue to refine his route running because he used to be a quarterback in high school. So they all got things to clean up. Avante or Adane, to me, in the game, don't have a ton to clean up. It's just cleaning up the frame. And they'll do that really quickly. Compare Adane to George Pickens for me. It's, I, mean, I don't. I don't compare anybody to George Pickens. I don't think that's fair. Okay. I think. I think if I'm going to compare George Pickens to anybody, it's AJ Green. When when we're talking about a Georgia wide receiver, what AJ Green looked like in college, it looks like George Pickens. Now, the problem with George Pickens is he's George Pickens. Okay. I can't. I can't say what I want to say, but there there's some things there's to some worry. Issues. There's some there, there's there's some things to worry about. Okay. Yeah. Everybody sees him making plays and doing great things out on Saturdays, and he's going to do that. Yeah. But what I'm telling you is, not all the time is he running the correct route. All right. That's that's all I'm going to say. And, and, you know, there's there's some things to worry about with George Pickens. Here's the deal. Kirby Smart's doing a hell of a job 
keeping that kid on track, okay? A hell of a job keeping that kid on track. And Georgia's doing a lot better job maturing, all right? We saw some things last year. I mean, the Tech game, you don't have to look far, all right? The Tech game, prime example, him slamming cornerbacks into the brick wall out there in Atlanta, all right? But he's getting better. He's getting more and more mature, and that is a credit to that Georgia football staff. But in terms of an athletic specimen, in terms of evaluating a wide receiver, I'm never – Never putting anybody in that George Pickens class other than a guy like A.J. Green. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take this. Anyway, Adonai Mitchell commits to Georgia, flips. If you're Mississippi oh, State. Whoa, right whoa, now, whoa, whoa. Breaking yeah. news here on the show. Breaking news. Jordan Hancock has decommitted from Clemson. Ohio State, the heavy favorite now. So that's, that's, not just, that's not just a Jordan Hancock issue. That's a Barrett Carter issue, too. If you know anything about Jordan Hancock, you know that Barrett Carter and Jordan Hancock are best, best friends. And that's first reported by 24-7 Sports. So that's breaking news here on Instant Impact. So I hope you guys tuning in uh, can get your reactions on with that. Holy cow, that is big news uh, in college football. Listen, when was the last time Clemson – it's been a couple of years since they've had a a decommitment. Is that not correct? I don't, I mean, well, they've had two now because Corey Foreman decommitted earlier in the year too. So early to call it Clemson falling apart. (laughs) Listen, Clemson, they got some, speaking of things to clean up with George picking Clemson, they got some things to clean up. Yeah, they do. So Jordan Hancock decommits from Clemson, Ohio State is a favorite. Ohio State, they already have a loaded number one recruiting class in 2021. Hancock would only add to that, but I'm sure there are going to be a bunch of schools nationally jumping on Hancock trying to get Georgia's going to be one of them. I can tell you that right now. Absolutely. They're going to be vying for his services. I can tell you that right now. I guarantee you Oregon's going to be looking at him. Georgia will be looking at him. Florida's going to be looking at him really tough. And again, you've got to – I'm telling you right now, this is a package deal, all right? Barrett Carter in the nation to me is the nation's top inside linebacker. All right. Barrett Carter, Jordan Hancock, both North Gwinnett high school football players. They are 1000% a package deal. So if you've got room at the inside linebacker spot and you've got room at the cornerback spot, that's the only way you're going to get them. You're going to have to get them both. And if you do, Holy cow. I mean, they were, they were the bell cows in Clemson's class. I mean, especially since Corey Foreman decommitted, those were the two dudes in that Clemson tiger class. So, That is mighty impressive, uh, you know, or depressing if you're a Clemson fan. You made a you made an interesting statement. Barrett Carter, number one inside linebacker. Me and Barrett spoke a couple of years ago. We have a DM kind of thread. And I told Barrett when he was a sophomore, I said, dude, you're going to be the number one linebacker in the country. He said, you think so, coach? He was. Hey, he has no clue, dude. Yeah, he, he, really he, he didn't. He didn't. He had no idea that I was going to say that or even how to take what I said. I said, dude, you're going to be the number one linebacker in the country. He said, oh, thanks, coach. I really appreciate that. We recently had a conversation via DM and uh, we talked about some things. I said, hey, dude, you remember what I said going back to a couple of years ago? He said, yeah, coach, I do. I said, it looks like it's coming true. Mm-hmm. So Barrett Carter, Jordan Hancock, North Gwinnett teammates. Both committed to Clemson. Were. At least Jordan Hamlock, he was committed to Clemson. Barrett yeah. Carter. And you think, how, if you give that a percentage, Brooks, what percentage do you say Barrett Carter decommits from Clemson? 70%. Well, 70%. I, well, 
I'm, I'm dead serious when I say this. The moment Jordan Hancock committed to Clemson, Barrett Carter stopped talking to us over at SI with, with, our, with our Georgia site. Stop. The, the, wow. the moment. The moment wow. he committed to Clemson. Wow. And, and matter of fact, if you go back and look at it, Chad Simmons of, of Rivals.com was the one who broke the story of Jordan Hancock committing to Clemson, and they were in the North Gwinnett locker room. And guess who is in his own commitment video standing right there with Chad Simmons? Barrett Carter. Barrett Carter was right there. And at the end of the video, it was, I'm Jordan Hancock, 20, you know how Chad does it. I'm Jordan Hancock, 2021 cornerback. I'm committing to Clemson. Go Tigers. And then he looks over at Barrett, and he's like, and he's next. And that's exactly how he did it. And a month and a half later, ceased all contact with anybody from Georgia, at least anybody in the media, at least on our side. I don't know about nobody else. Stopped yeah. talking to us. Yeah. And about a month and a half later, Barrett Carter's going to Clemson. Okay, it was like that. All right, they are like that. They spend every waking moment doing everything together. They've been doing this since they were 13, 14 years old. So, yeah, if if, if he's gone, I guarantee you Dabo Swinney's on the phone right now. He ain't even trying to keep Jordan. I guarantee you he's on the phone right now with Barrett Carter saying, hey, 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 are you still with me? Are you still with me? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? That's how it is. So I don't know any reasoning behind Jordan's decommitment. Apparently, there's some some love. According to 24-7, there's some love uh, for Ohio State. And why not? I mean, shit, if I was a corner, my butt would be going to Ohio State. I can tell you that right now because if I'm a five, four-star corner and I go to Ohio State, you can almost guarantee in four years or three years, I'm going to be a first-round draft pick. I mean, that's just what it is. It's hard to argue. That's for sure. Um, especially with Kerry Combs back in the mix at Ohio State. I mean, yeah. the job he did before he left, and then the job he did at the Tennessee Titans with guys like Adoree Jackson becoming a pro bowler, and now he's back at Ohio State coaching defensive backs now that Jeff Halfley is taking a head coaching job at Boston College. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ohio State is a – that's a destination place for cornerbacks where you just blow up big time. You know you're going to have rush men, Right. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have rush, man, with Coach Johnson coaching that defensive line, and um, man, that's gonna be something. We following this Hancock Carter thing is gonna be something. North Gwinnett, start shaking up the recruiting world, why don't you? I mean, dropping bombs on a Tuesday evening, um, but hey, we still got one more guy left on our list, and he's a pretty. He's not. He's just. He's quite literally a big guy. Um, Shador Sanders, the son of Deion Sanders. What do you say about? FAU getting in here and getting somebody who had 35 power five offers and goes to a mid-major. Let's say you, Keith Smith, or Keith Miller. Keith Smith. Who the hell is Keith Smith? Keith Smith was actually a record-setting quarterback here in Southern California from Newberry Park High School. Seems fitting. Two CIF championships. Went on to start multiple years and be an all-pack 12 player at the University of Arizona at quarterback. But I digress. Let's move along. Shadur Sanders with an S. Yes. <clears throat> Shadur Sanders commits to FAU. I mean, let's see. What are there? 68 Power 5 schools. Mm-hmm. He probably had an offer from 40 of them. <laughs> and Shadur picks FAU, a G5 school, group of five school, balling on the beach, head coach Willie Taggart. Boca, baby. Hey, I love Boca now. 
Who doesn't love Boca? Come I on. love Boca now. Don't get me wrong, Shador. I understand you like the environment. Balling on the beach is fun. Boca is beautiful. FAU? Yeah. No no knock at FAU. Shout out to Willie Taggart. He's a great recruiter. We know Dion was a, is a Florida State guy. Taggart was his guy when he was at FSU. Now he's at FAU. Shador wants to be a quarterback, even though he's got NFL upside as a corner back. Yes. Really? Special. Special. Isn't he like 6'4? No. How big is he? About 6'2. Oh, that just that tells me what kind of competition he was playing because he looked like a damn giant on tape. And I was going to talk about it. The competition he played out there in Texas wasn't great. It was a little private I mean, school league. Yeah, what wasn't, wasn't great. Yeah. No. He bought six two. And if you've ever seen him play corner, because I have, it's elite. Yeah. The length, the reaction, the quickness, the physicality. It's elite. But I know they got their mindset on being a quarterback for now. Balling at the beach, Taggart, FAU. Okay. I'd love to get Shador on to talk about it. I need to know why, what was the thought process. Um, why'd you say no to all these other power five schools? I need to know. I would like to know. The people would like I, to know. GA? I don't think I don't think you're ever gonna get a I don't think you're ever gonna get a correct answer, is what no, I'm trying to say. The the right answer, the true answer. And I'm man, I hope I don't ever see Dion. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I don't know if those offers from those power five schools, at least at the quarterback position, were legit. Okay. And you know what? Maybe he loves FAU that much. All right, but what about primetime? What about primetime and Deion Sanders, the history? And I know it's his kid. I know it's not him. What about the Sanders name in primetime makes you think that they're going to take the school that doesn't shine the most light on that kid? If it's not a situation of the other schools weren't going to let him play quarterback or the other schools did not give him green lights to commit, if that were the case, that makes sense why he's going to FAU. And don't tell me he's a Florida kid because he played high school football out in Texas. All right? Don't, don't give me the, you know, he grew up in Florida. He loves Florida. He just wants to be in Boca. Don't give me that. The only legitimate argument I can hear, somebody tell me, is that the, the relationship with Willie Taggart was just that strong. But let me tell you something about college football, folks. Your, your head coach is the one that gives you the pep talks and gives you the direction and gives you all that stuff. That's about it. That's about it. You spend the most time with your position coach. That guy that's sitting in film rooms and sitting in meeting rooms with you every single day, three to four hours a day, that's the guy you spend most time with. The guy that's spending three hours a day with you at practice, the guy that's legitimately coaching you up. Because I'm going to tell you what, head coaches, good ones, they walk in a circle during indies. They walk in a circle. They coach up every single position for about five to ten minutes, and then they move on to the next one. All right? That guy seals the deal. Kirby Smarts, the Willie Taggers, the Nick Sabans, they seal the deal in recruiting. They're the last one to get a word. That's it, baby. Guess who recruits you the whole time? Your position coach. When you get there, guess who's wiping your butt and and introducing you into the college environment? Your position coach. coach. I mean, and then it's the position coach, the strength coach, on the off seasons, your damn best friend. He's your daddy. And then when you get back to school and you, and football starts back up, you get the pep rally and the and the head coach gets to get the pep talks and all that stuff again. But it's your position coach and your strength coach that you develop the most relationships with. So I I, I don't really know what it is unless again 
And God, I hope I don't see Dion in person, man. And I hope he don't watch this because he'll whoop my ass. I just don't know if the other the other offers were green lights, man. That's the only thing that can make sense why he's going to FAU. I mean, Boca's beautiful, baby. But nothing about the Deion Sanders name and the Deion Sanders family. I mean, hell, this kid was on overtime, had his own damn TV series when he was a sophomore in high school. They were following him around with cameras at every single one of his high school football games. You tell me that guy don't want the limelight on his kid, just like the rest of us? And if, if that's true, it ain't FAU, all right, unless FAU was the only one that was going to let him play quarterback. I'm going to tell you to you in a little saying that I just made up in my head. <laughs> from prime time to overtime to not very much time. Yeah. And I mean, that's just what it is, whether Dion likes it or not. That's just what it is. We don't watch too much FAU football out here, man. No, no. And I'm no. in the Southeast. We don't watch no. a lot of FAU, FIU on Tuesday nights in the action. I mean, no. whatever whatever conference they play in. They see, and, I don't even know the conference. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think is, it, is, it the, is it the AA? The Atlantic something. Yeah, exactly. Um, American, no, it's the American Conference. Yeah. The, Ameri- the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. Yeah. AAC. They, they, AAC. Play the, they play the UCFs. They play the Florida Atlantics. They play the yes. U, uh, USFs. Yes. They play the FIUs. Okay. Yes. That whole conference. I don't watch. Ain't nobody watching that stuff, man. Nobody does. So, again, it goes back to the it – ain't, it ain't about I just love Boca. It's about I love playing the quarterback position, and this was who was going to let me play it. And you know what? More power to you, Shadar. Shadar, that that's great. I would do the same thing if I if my son was a quarterback and said, "Dad, I don't want to play corner. You played corner. You were a great corner. I want to play quarterback, and I am not moving off of playing quarterback. I'm going to play quarterback." Then you go to the best offer in the best situation that allows you to play quarterback, and then it goes back to. I love Willie Taggart. I love the position coach. I love Boca. I'm going to uh, FAU. I, I'm fine with that. I sign off on that. Hey, and you know what? Yeah. We that's that's what it is. I think that's what it is. If that's what it is, um, I'm not a fan of his at the quarterback position. Love him as a cornerback. Not a fan of quarterback. So um, some news out of Georgia today. JT Daniels. Yeah, we got some eligibility. That was, Go ahead, BA. That, that was yesterday. We actually, yesterday? I, I, I got some some dwindlings on Sunday. It was like, hey, we got some good news coming out on JT Daniels. And the only thing that could be was eligibility um, and approval of that. But here's the deal, man. I mean, everybody wants to talk about it. JT Daniels, great football player. is going to be a great football player at the University of Georgia. It's Jamie Newman's football team. And look, they they fully expected when they brought JT Daniels in, they fully expected him to get granted a waiver. Okay. Because A, he's a five, former five star quarterback. When was the last time you I mean, frick, Tate Martell got an immediate eligibility down in Miami. Okay. These guys get passed out waivers like candy when it comes to the quarterback position. So um that they knew he was going to get a waiver. And everything I know about that Georgia program and everything that you can kind of see about what's going on. Look, a couple weeks after JT Daniels announced his transfer to Georgia, guess who was on the video Zoom conference with boosters that was only allowed with the top-end boosters? Guess who went and talked to the boosters? Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman and Richard LeCount and Monty Rice, I think it was. All I know is Jamie Newman was there, all right? And if Jamie Newman is going to talk to the boosters, when JT Daniels is on a flight to Athens – Granted, knowing they pretty much knowing he was getting immediate eligibility, Keith, who do you think your starting quarterback is at least to start the season? Listen, 
It's Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman's got the inside track to everything. And he's the, I mean, he's, you got it. You got to give that kid the, the start, at least the, every opportunity to lose that job. And here's why you, I mean, he had options, baby. He could have been at Oregon. He could have been at LSU. And that, that, that guy was the most highly coveted graduate transfer quarterback in the country. Right. Georgia convinced him to come to Athens. All right. So if, Kirby Smart, saying, I said this on my show four months ago when Jamie Newman announced his uh, transfer. This is not the last time Kirby Smart's going to need a stopgap quarterback. And if he doesn't give Jamie Newman every opportunity to play, the he next time he, he ain't going to get another one. No. The next time he goes to talk to another one, he ain't getting another one. So you've got to give that kid every opportunity to play. Now, five weeks into the season, if we have a season, five weeks into the SEC, if Jamie Newman's stinking it up, yeah. JT Daniels is going to play, and he's going to play a lot. Um, but to start the season, based off everything you've seen, I mean, hell, Jamie Newman was a Davey uh, or the quarterback award, whatever it is. Um, Davey O'Brien? Davey O'Brien. He's on the watch list. It was announced today. Yeah. Georgia put out a graphic, okay? That is their due to start the season. I don't think there's a doubt about it. Um, now, it makes for good articles to talk about there being a quarterback battle. Don't get me wrong. Sure, of course. It makes for great articles. And you can talk all you want. Look, People that here's how I know you haven't watched JT Daniels play football in in college at least. If you think that guy throws a great deep ball, you ain't been watching him play. You didn't watch him play at USC. The the foundation hips down was mighty disconnected. Okay, now inside 25 yards, he is electric. All right, he he can put it on a dime anywhere inside of 25 yards. I've seen misses of up to 10 yards when we talk about deep go routes and deep balls. Well, guess what? That's what Todd Munkin's offense is predicated off of, man. He, for two years, when he, the last time he had play calling duties in Tampa Bay, because he did get to call plays in Cleveland. People forget that too. The last two seasons that he had full play calling capabilities, you know who led the, the league in passing yards per completion? Kansas City. You know who was number two? Tampa Bay. And that's with John freaking Fitzpatrick and damn – Jameis Winston. So the dude likes to chunk it down the field. The dude likes to have explosive plays. No one in that quarterback room is better at that than Jamie Newman. So I think Jamie Newman's going to get the start. It's great that JT Daniels is eligible because what Kirby didn't want to do is have to throw out one of those guys that's never made a college start. And the other thing we haven't talked about, and I know I've been talking for a minute here, but we just don't know how fully healthy JT Daniels is, man. The, I mean, the last time we saw him, uh, last time I saw him, he was working out with Jordan Palmer, and he had a big old knee brace on his leg, and they weren't even throwing mobile. They were throwing in the pocket. So we just don't know what it looks like because, I mean, we're we're still about, let's see, nine, nine, ten months into his ACL surgery. So it's probably not fully healthy. He's, at least he's not the full athlete that he was, uh, you know, opening day against Fresno State last year. And it looks like he was going to light the shit up he as was. a sophomore. He, he was. was. He was going to light it up, and maybe he fixed everything that was wrong in his freshman tape because 60% completion percentage, put the ball on the turf 10 times. He fumbled 10 times as a freshman. He threw, I think, 12 interceptions. So we're talking about an opportunity to give the defense the ball 22 times in 12 starts as a freshman on top of 60% completion percentage. That's not great. That's not what Kirby Smart likes at the quarterback position. Um, and then you add in the the fact that the deep ball inaccuracies were all there. Now, again, he cleaned it up. It looked like he was going to clean it up, and then it just sucks that he got hurt. Um, but, you know, I think this is a 
2021-2022 plan, uh, get him off, get him into the NFL, and then let Brock Brandon Vandergriff start for two or three years. That's the plan, at least to me. That's what the blueprint looks like. You got to remember, JT Daniels is a guy who reclassed up, right? Yeah, he's young. He's young. You talk about a true freshman quarterback that should have been in high school. He struggled yep. with turnovers, feet definitely disconnected with his eyes. The arm strength became a question mark in the middle of the season. You're talking to somebody who's known JT, JT Daniels since about seventh grade, right? The arm strength is good. It's not great. The accuracy yeah. is good. The movement is very good. The ability to escape is good. Um, dynamic leader, right? So uh, you just see, and I'm, I'm hearing this comparison a lot. You just, you just described Jake Fromm. That's what you just did. And you don't know, you don't, I mean, he's a, he's a lot more or not a lot more. He's a little bit more athletic in the pocket. He can evade the rush a lot yes. better. Yes. Um, a better runner, just, yeah, better, you, better you, pocket you, manipulator for sure. You slick just described Jake Fromm and the other guy. And I talked to Quincy Avery pretty often. The other guy looks like Justin Fields and plays a lot like Justin Fields too. So Kirby Dunn, Kirby Dunn did it again, man. Kirby, Kirby Dunn did it again. Kirby Dunn did it again. He got he's got the guy that I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say it. We're we're late in here. We're talking for a while. Man, you want to divide a Georgia fan base? Do this black mobile quarterback versus white statue s pro style quarterback shit again. Yeah. That's what he did. I'm telling you right now, the biggest source subject in Georgia fandom is Justin Fields. And there's got there, there's part of the fan base that says, oh, he quit on us. He was a quitter, all that stuff. And then the other part's like, damn, we let him go. All right. And just based on just based off my Facebook comments, when I when I post articles about either of the two, Jake Fromm or Justin Fields, it's pretty obvious to see where people lie uh, in, in their opinions on that one. Okay. Yeah. And, and it starts with their Facebook profile picture. I, I can just go ahead and tell you right now which yeah. guy they're, they're on the side of, if you know yeah. what I mean. So it's all about the color it, It's And I don't think that's – and that's a massive generalization of, 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 of a fan base, especially one that I write for. But the, there, there is a major divide, and it ain't just black and white. It is I want somebody that can move. I like a guy that can make plays with his feet. I want somebody that can actually add into the run game and – well, he's super accurate, he's a leader, and he runs the offense. That's the other side, okay? So that's what we got here again in, in Athens. So we'll just see which decision he makes. But here's the other thing. Here's the other difference. Todd Munkin's making that decision. You don't pay somebody $1.2 million to sit there and tell him which guy he's going to play, right. all right? So whatever the decision is, it's going to be Todd Munkin's, at least in my opinion. So, I mean, we'll see. No doubt about it, man. Let's wrap it up. B.A., Let's great show, up. fun show, man. We, we got a lot in, baby. A lot. We might have to divide this up into about four different shows and make sure we get our chip. But anyways, B.A. from the G.A. with your boy, Coach Keith. Instant Impact. This is the best damn football analysis in the country. I challenge you to find me somebody that's doing it better than we're doing it as a duo. Do it. Do it. Coach Keith, B.A., G.A., Cali, West Coast. We see y'all when we see y'all. Y'all be cool. See ya, boys and girls. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. 
Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. 